If you are interested in Angular architecture. If you value good practices, if you work on large complex projects, we have something special for you. For the second time in history we have started a special program, Angular Architecture, Strategic Design, with NX. This is an extensive video course, combined with live sessions, which has already been joined by over 120 participants. You can find out all the details at angularmaster.dev. The program is time-limited, so don't wait, be sure to check out now what we have prepared for you. Visit angularmaster.dev website and see you on the other side of the screen. What's up everyone? This is Darius Kalbacek, co-founder of MG Poland, JS Poland, AngularMaster.dev and WorkshopFest.dev. Welcome back to AngularMaster Podcast. Today, together with Manfred Steyer, who is an excellent speaker, trainer, consultant and author focusing on Angular, we will discuss in depth a new version of Module Federation plugin for Angular. Hi Manfred, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Uh, you know, here are a lot of holidays nowadays and yeah, that's why I'm quite relaxed today. Yeah, me too. Okay, so let's talk about um, your plugin. You've published mm -hmm. a new version of your uh, module federation plugin for Angular. Uh, mm -hmm. But before we go in depth, uh, what is this plugin about? Mm -hmm. Well, in general, module federation is about loading stuff that had been separately compiled into your application. That means you can load a foreign piece of code into the middle of your application. And some people use it to produce plugin systems, like we know, for instance, from Slack or from WordPress, where you load something from a third-party vendor that enriches your whole experience. And some other people, and I think this is the majority, uses it for micro frontends because also micro frontends is about loading parts of your application at runtime, parts you did not know when compiling it. And this allows to have individual teams that don't need to know much about each other, that don't need to coordinate with each other. The thing is, uh, module federation is a webpack feature. It's a quite young webpack feature. It has been around for about two years, give or take. And as we all know, the Angular CLI is using webpack. So technically, we all can use module federation out of the box with the CLI. However, the CLI does not expose module federation for us. And that's why we need a little tiny plugin that enables module federation within Webpack underneath the CLI. And this is what this plugin is doing. It makes sure you can seamlessly use this feature that is already there with the CLI. Let's talk about streamline configuration. Yeah, this is one of the new features we've introduced with uh, module federation or with the module federation plugin that now ships for Angular 14. 
And the idea was to not expose a webpack configuration before we exposed a partial webpack configuration. And we all know such a webpack configuration, even though it's just a partial one, can be exhausting. A lot of details and knobs we have to configure. And we really wanted to streamline all of this. And so what we are doing now is we have a little tiny helper function. And this helper function only takes the configuration parameters we normally want to adjust for module federation. Plus, it assumes quite smart or let's call it usual defaults. And so the whole configuration is really, really tiny now. This was quite a discussion. We have prototypes for this since several months. And we also using such helper functions for several months with our customers. However, we discussed internally if we really wanted to make this the default because somehow we figured it is also an advantage if we go with a traditional webpack configuration because there is a lot of block material, block articles out there using the traditional webpack configuration. And so the fear was that this is not useful anymore when we come with our own helper function. But now we've seen that streamlining everything makes everything a bit more uh, seamless to use. It takes out a lot of the complexity. And we really tried to mimic the semantics of the traditional webpack configuration. So as mentioned before, it is more or less what you would normally configure, but with very smart defaults and without the boilerplate around. But it's similar to what we know from all the block articles out there. And so I think it's a step forward. It's less verbose, but you will recognize traditional uh, module federation semantics, you know, from this or that block article or book. A question that probably comes up for many users. What about share all? Is this dangerous? Yeah, it's, it's very dangerous. And that's why we are uh, generating it by default. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's dangerous. So to go one step back, um, when you go with module federation, you can define what you want to share with other applications. You load a piece from this application into your browser. You load a piece from that application into your browser. And you don't want to download the same dependencies time and again. For instance, you don't want to download Angular 10 times just because of having 10 micro frontends or 10 plugins. And that's why very likely Angular will be a shared dependency. In the past, sharing always was an opt-in. That meant you always needed to configure everything step-by-step step you wanted to share. And if you forgot about one dependency to share, then the system behaved in an awkward way or perhaps it failed bootstrapping. So let's say you shared Angular Core, but you forgot about Angular Common then perhaps you had a really hard time because everything failed. You didn't get meaningful error messages and you had a hard time with debugging this very situation. And that's why now we are sharing everything by default, everything you have in your package, JSON. This is this share all helper you are talking about. 
and it's generated by default. So if you say uh, ng generate init or ng at, then you get this shear all configured in your generated configuration by default. And this gives you a good experience when you start with uh, module federation. Everything works by default because everything is shared. It gives you a good experience at the beginning. Everything works. However, if you have bad luck, then too much is shared. And for everything you are sharing, you have a little tiny overhead because each and every shared dependency ends up in a, in a bundle of its own. And each and every shared dependency cannot be tree-shaking. So you have a bit of overhead that sums up. And that's why, uh, as you mentioned before, share all at the end of the day is dangerous. And that's why you should go with an opt-out approach. That means you share everything at the beginning. And if you see, well, that works, then you can define, well, I don't want to share this or that or that in order to improve the performance, in order to increase the, the not to increase, in order to decrease the overall bundle size you have to download. So it's just the other way around to give you a good experience at the start. It sounds very interesting. Now let's talk about eager and paint dependencies. Yeah, so eager dependencies is at first glance nothing that is by us, that has been created by us. It's a feature of uh, Webpack module Federation. The idea is that shared dependencies shall not land in a bundle of their own, but instead they land in your main bundle. For instance, in the main bundle of your shell. And this allows the shell to preload a lot of shared dependencies just when downloading its very own main bundle. And all those shared dependencies are there and can be reused by the shell, of course, but also by micro frontends or plugins that are loaded later. So it is some kind of optimization mechanism, if you ask me. However, this only works if you are sure that the dependencies the shell comes with are compatible to the dependencies all the other micro frontends need. So if your shell has a different version of a dependency, then this will not really work. Then the micro frontend will need to load its very own version of this dependency or with regards to the configuration, perhaps it fails because it says, well, I have this version, I need that version. This does not look right. So let's throw an exception. It's up to your configuration. That means you have to think twice before activating Eager. However, if you know what you are doing, then Eager can be an advantage because you can preload everything with one bundle when you start up your shell. The thing is, even though Eager is a built-in feature of Webpack, it was a bit difficult to use in the past because of how Angular CLI generates the Webpack configuration. If you had bad luck, the eager dependencies were put into several bundles, into your vendor bundle, into your polyfill bundle, into your main bundle. And that means you got them twice or three times, which is, of course, a mess. 
And to prevent this situation, we are rewriting parts of the webpack configuration the CLI is generating. Rewriting is not the right term. To be honest, we are extending it. Uh, we've talked with the webpack team and we've found some ways to extend this configuration to make sure that the eager dependencies only land in your main bundle. This is one thing that we are doing. And by the way, for this, we also need this streamlined configuration that allows us to extend, enhance the whole configuration we are passing in. Besides this, we uh, have notified or we have noticed that even though a dependency is eager, if the shell does not use it, it's tree shaking away. And this is by default. This is how Webpack is supposed to work. However, if we want to use eager dependencies to preload something in the shell, we might need later for this or that micro frontend, for this or that plugin, then tree shaking it away is not the right thing to do. Then we want to load it even though we don't need it now because we know, because we think we might need it later. And that's why a nice colleague of mine, Michael Zickers, implemented an add-on, another add-on, and he called it Pint Dependencies. So Pint Dependencies is something just our plugin is doing. It's not a feature of Webpack. Pint Dependencies means we make sure a eager dependency not used by the shell is not reshaking away so that some micro frontend can reuse it later. You're listening, Angular Master Podcast. Listen, code, repeat. Everything you need to know to become an Angular Super Developer. Okay. Um, what about uh, dynamic configuration and uh, registry services? Yeah. So this is actually a feature we borrowed from the NX team. The NX team also has a lot of smart people working on such topics and also on topics that are somehow related to this. And they came up with a smart idea. They said, well, very often we don't want to hard code the URLs of our micro frontends. Very often we want to load the configuration file at runtime that tells us, hey, today you find this micro frontend here and that micro frontend there. And this was totally possible in the past with our plugin. However, there was no out-of-the-box code. We assume that if someone wants to do this, they will use a fetch call to get the configuration. They will read the configuration and delegate the data from the configuration to our library, to our plugin. And now the NX team had this nice helper function that does this out of the box, loading a file and configuring the plugin with this file out of the box. And so we figured that this is a very smart idea because one more time, it lowers the entry per year. And so we also implemented something like this. And uh, we didn't want to reinvent the wheel, so we are using the same term for this. We also call it the Web App Manifest, not the Web App Manifest, the Module Federation Manifest. And also the structure of this configuration file is compatible to an X because we don't want to compete with an X. 
Uh, we also use an axe a lot by ourselves, and this makes it easy to switch back and forth between the different approaches. By the way, uh, we also generate all the mechanics for this when typing in ng-add or ng-generate in it. So we get all of this uh, helper function calls for free. Okay, another interesting topic, automatically adding secondary entry points. Yeah, this is another feature. We had it in the past, but in the past it was an opt-in. The idea was that Quite a lot NBM packages in the world of Angular have so-called secondary entry points. I think the most known secondary entry point is Angular Common HTTP. Here, HTTP is a secondary entry point of Angular Common. And the thing is, it looks like Marshall Federation is working with all NBM packages, but in real, it works with entry points. And that means you need to configure or to share each secondary entry point by hand. And in the past, you needed to do this by hand. You needed to list all the secondaries you wanted to have. But now, as we switch to share all to an opt-out scenario, we also felt it's beneficial if we would also share all the secondaries by default. And if someone doesn't need a secondary entry point by default, we can exclude it. And one more time, this gives you a good experience at the beginning. And then for the sake of optimizing your bundle sizes, your shared dependencies, you can opt out of sharing this or that secondary entry point. And perhaps a little other tiny extension here, beginning with Angular 14, is now an official way to define secondary entry points. You know, for Angular libraries, there is such a document, such a Google Doc, it's called the Angular Package Format. And since years, it tells us what we have to do to assure that our NBM packages work seamlessly with Angular. And since version 14, it demands us to declare the secondary entry points in the package JSON. And this is what we are doing now. We are picking up this metadata, and so we know which secondary entry points are available. If this metadata is not there, we are doing what we've done before version 14. We are searching the node modules folder, the node modules folder of, for instance, at angular slash common for subfolders. And so we try to find out what might be another secondary. This is the fallback solution uh, still, uh, but if possible, we go with the metadata defined by the Angular package format version 40. I got it. Now let's talk about run all with parameters. Mm, this is a tiny add-on. I think it cost me seven minutes to implement and to test it. We always had this run all script. If you add our plugin, you get an NBM script run all. And run all is doing what it sounds like. It runs all your applications. And normally you need this if you want to test everything, your shell application and all your micro frontends that are perhaps part of your monorepo. And sometimes you don't want to run them all. Sometimes this is just an overkill. And so now we have some 
command line parameters. You can define the names of the applications you want to start. You could say, well, today I just want to start the shell and this uh, first micro front end, perhaps the second micro front end, but not the third and the fourth micro front end because I'm not changing it currently. Yeah, it's just a little tiny add-on, but I think it helps a lot when testing your micro front-end solutions. Exactly. So what's the future of the plugin? Yeah, so the promise we did was that we will support this plugin uh, until there is an official solution that ships with Angular or the Angular CLI. It's like, you know, Batman in Batman Begins. Uh, Bruce Wayne never expected to be Batman for all the time. He always said he will just be Batman as long as Gotham needs him. But when Gotham doesn't need him anymore, he stops to be Batman. What happened at the third part, uh, The Dark Knight Rises, perhaps you've seen um, yes, this, exactly. this movie. And I always say, when in doubt, then do it like Batman. And so we do it uh, when there is an official solution shipping with the CLI. We will help the community to move over to it with some schematics. But as long as this is not the situation, we will maintain this library so that people can relay uh, upon our work. Uh, for the future, that means we will align with new versions of Angular. Plus, we will add little tiny add-ons making your life easier. I don't have a huge feature on my list, but we see some room for improvement when it comes to opting out shared libraries. Because as mentioned before, you don't want to share everything normally. You want to opt out uh, shared libraries. And here currently we have two fields in our configuration. One field for opting out secondary entry points and another field, another member variable for opting out from sharing NBM packages. And this is something I want to unify that we just have one skip list property where we can skip both secondaries and NBM packages. And in discussions with some of our customers, we also figured out that this skip list should also support regular expressions so that we can skip everything that ends with testing, for instance, or everything that ends with upgrade because ng upgrade is not used in each and every solution or skipping everything that contains schematics because schematics is nothing we need at runtime, so we don't need to share it. Yeah, this is something we want to further streamline a bit and we want to uh, update for upcoming uh, Angular versions. By the way, we are also blocking a lot for instance, the last blog article showed how to use all of this with standalone components. And it really fits well together. There was no update needed to make it work with standalone components. Instead, we just need to know how we use the existing mechanism with this new feature. So the future is bright. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Okay, Manfred, thank you so much for today's podcast. Uh, and for a Pleasure. lot of valuable information. Thank you so much, Good. and I hope see you next week. Yeah, I hope to see you around. Have a nice day. Have a nice day.
finally, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a like and a comment to help us continue to grow.